be ministered to you in a great way today. Come on, how many believe that? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, no, Jesus truly does change everything. He changes everything. Oh, hallelujah. And I, it is this Jesus that I want to preach about for a few moments today. I'm going to preach today on this subject. Jesus is Lord. Jesus, he is Lord. He is Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. The crowd that had gathered that day was a raucous, unruly, disorderly crowd to be sure. The reason for their gathering was to do harm against the men of God by the name of Paul and Silas. In order to understand and see this story in context, you need to know that Paul had been preaching to this crowd and he had been preaching to them the truths about who Jesus was. He had been preaching to them about the fact that Jesus had died but had rose again three days later. He continued to talk and to teach to them that it was this same Jesus that was not just an ordinary man, but he was in fact God in flesh. Anybody glad you have revelation of that fact today? And the Bible says that some believed and some did not believe. As it was then, so it is today. Some believe, some do not believe. Don't get discouraged. As you witness, don't get discouraged as you share the gospel. Don't get discouraged as you preach the gospel in the context of your own life about the fact that some don't believe. Because Paul himself, one of the greatest missionaries, greatest preachers that ever lived, preached with passion and zeal and the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon him and the results were this. Some believed and some did not believe. And those ungodly, unrighteous, unbelieving members of the crowd were so upset at his teaching that they began to plot harm against Paul and Silas. And it was that in their attempt to harm Paul and Silas that they formed this mob of unruly and unbelieving individuals and they began to make their way to the place where they believed Paul and Silas to be. We pick up the story in our text this morning in Acts chapter 17 and verse 5. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 17 and verse 5. But the Jews, which believe not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. Speaking of Paul and Silas. And when they found them not, they weren't where they thought they were going to be, 
they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city crying. Now watch what they cried that said, these that have turned the world upside down are come here also. Whom Jason hath received and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, one by the name of, what's his name? Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Now I want you to notice these sinful, disobedient, non-spiritual people were saying that the apostolics, the Pentecostals, were turning their world upside down. These people who were being led by the enemy of their souls, these who were being encouraged to resist and turn away from the gospel, these who were doing Satan's work, speaking on behalf of Satan himself, these people said, you are turning our world upside down. (laughs) These sinfully wicked people were saying, you're messing up what we're trying to do around here. Uh, Those who were going about to accomplish uh, the devil's work of stealing and killing and destroying, uh, uh, these people, they said, hey, we want you to lock these Christian believers up. We want you to lock up the apostolics because they're hindering what we're trying to accomplish. We can't accomplish what we want to accomplish if the apostolics are around. In other words, they're saying we don't have the power over the people like we used to have before the Pentecostals showed up. Come on, somebody. We don't have the ability to wreck people's lives like we used to have before the Jesus people showed up. We can't destroy lives and souls and wreak havoc in homes like we used to before these one God, Jesus name people showed up. I said that to say this, if you're here and your life's messed up, I just want you to know you're among some apostolics today. I just want you to know you're amongst some Pentecostal believers today. And because of that, I truly believe that whatever the enemy is trying to do in your life, it's going to be turned upside down because you're in a room full of people who believe this isn't just a social... Come on, this isn't just a gathering today. This isn't just a social club today. This isn't just a bunch of people that gather together because we don't have anything better to do. You're amongst the apostolics today. You're amongst some believers today who believe that God really does have all power in heaven and in earth. And because you're amongst the believers today, I truly believe your negative issue can be reversed and your struggle is about to be overturned by the power of the God that we believe in turn our world upside down because you've stepped into this spiritual atmosphere. Your sorrow can be turned to shouting and your tears can be turned to triumph. Ah, I'm here to tell somebody 
Oh, just hear me now. The negative issue you walked into this room with is about to be overruled. Let me go ahead and step out in faith and declare the fact that the addiction you walked in here with is about to be repealed. The mental anguish you walked in here with is about to be invalidated. Turn their world. Why? Because what the devil meant for evil, God's about to turn it in your favor. And he's about to bring forth something beautiful. After what was such an ugly thing, I feel to speak today in order to let hell know depression, you gotta go. Depression's gonna be turned upside down today. Marital disharmony's gotta go. Financial struggles gotta be turned around. Health problems, trauma, family turmoil, sinful living is about to be overturned by the power of an almighty God. Why? Because where the apostolics are, there is power to turn things around. Now I want you to find about three people and I don't want you to repeat it just because I tell you to repeat it. I want you to repeat it in faith, believing every word that you're about to tell them. Find three people and tell them it's time for your turnaround. Uh, ah, It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Come on, somebody. I said it's time. Woo! You say, when is my time? Right now is your time. Why is this my time? Because you're in the room with some apostolics. You're in the room with some believers. You're in the room with some Holy Ghost filled saints of God. You're in the room with some Jesus name folks who've been blood bought, sanctified, filled with the spirit. No, we're not perfect, but we believe, we believe, we believe that God can do all things. Come on, it's time for your turnaround. Somebody praise him in the house right now. Come on, if you believe that, I want you to praise him like you believe that. I want you to shout like you believe that. I want you to rejoice like you believe that. Come on, somebody, let faith begin to rise. Let faith begin to rise in your spirit. It's my time for a turnaround. I've been like this long enough. I've lived like this long enough. I've fought this thing long enough. I've battled this darkness long enough. I'm amongst some believers, and where two or three would agree, God's going to work his work. Come on now. Oh, just, just right where you are. Right, I don't feel a release to move on just yet. I want you to connect with two or three right now. Connect with them quickly. Connect with two or three right now. He lorobo satayaha. Ha lorobo kotoye satayaha. Ha, they have come to turn our world upside down. We're in the midst of the believers, in the midst of the apostolics, anything's possible. In the midst of the Pentecostals, anything is possible. Healing is possible. Deliverance is possible. 
Not because of who we are, but because of who's living down on the inside of us. Somebody needs to understand today that the God that is within you has the power to turn anything around. Come on, some of you aren't believing what pastor's preaching right now. I said you got to get a revelation in your spirit that the God that is on the inside of you can turn anything around physically, emotionally, family, relationship, finance, whatever it is, the God that is on the inside of you can't turn it all around. Jesus, you change everything. It's time for a turnaround. It's time for a turnaround. I don't have to live like this one more day. I don't have to deal with this one more moment. I don't have to struggle with this one more night. I don't have to cry myself to sleep one more evening. I don't have to pop one more pill to make it through the day. My God can turn it around. My God can turn it, turn it, turn it around. Shout amen. Amen. May be seated. So after the crowd has come to do harm against Paul and Silas, we find that Paul makes his way to Athens, Greece. While there he begins to preach. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. Then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill and said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and behold, beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worshiped, Him declare I to you. So here we find that Paul was looking at all of these altars that these people had erected to their so-called gods. They had an altar for the sun god and the moon god and the wheat god and the corn god. On and on and on and on it went, the altars that were erected to these different so-called gods that they worship. But then he noticed that they had, and I want to maybe 
single in on maybe just one or two in the room. God wants to talk to you today. For it was then that Paul noticed that they had an altar that had been erected to what they inscribed upon it to the unknown God. They weren't for sure, but they just had this feeling that there was another God out there. They, they, they didn't, they didn't want to make him mad by not having an altar erected to him. And so they did. They knew about all these other gods, the corn god, the sun god, the moon god, the wind god, the whatever gods. They knew about all of those, but there was something within their spirit that said, we know about all of these, but there's still something within us that just has to believe there's something else out there. And it's just possible that there are those in this room today who have the same feeling that these individuals had in Athens in Paul's day. For you find yourself putting all kinds of other things first, first in your life. But somewhere, somewhere, Deep down in your heart, you know that there's someone bigger than you out there. You know, you don't know how to talk about it. You don't know how to articulate what it is that you're feeling necessarily in your spirit and in your mind, but you know there is a higher power of sorts. You don't really believe that everything that exists just showed up. There had to have been some creative force behind the Rocky Mountains. There had to be some creative force behind the Grand Canyon. There had to be some creative force behind humanity. You might not ex fully understand exactly what it is. And you might not have a real good understanding of who it is. But you know that there is got to be a God out there somewhere. Gotta be. I wasn't raised in it. I don't know about it. I, I, I don't know a whole lot about this, but there's just something within me that says there's got to be more out there than what I know. There's got to be more to life than what this is. There's got to be something. His true identity might be unknown to you, but nonetheless, you know he's there. You don't know, know, know specifically, but you just know there's got to be something more. Maybe you've been studying all the world's religions, trying to figure it out who this someone, something is. You've talked to all kinds of people. You've read all kinds of books and hoped that some glimmer of revelation and understanding would come into some being part of your mind that you could then follow after in order to make your life have meaning and purpose within it. And yet through the reading and through the talking and through all of the research that you've done, it's led you down this road and this road and this road and this road, but you've gone down those roads only for a certain distance and you realize this isn't what I'm looking for. This isn't what I'm wanting. This isn't what I'm talking about. This isn't the thing that is, has the potential of filling the void that is in my life. Mm. 
this, this thing, this thing I'm reading in this book, this, this Eastern religion philosophy thing that so-and-so told me about, that's not the thing that has been watching out for me. I can, I can recall moments, you say, when, when I was spared from something. And this thing I'm reading about in this book, this Eastern philosophical thing, this isn't that that could help me, that did help me. You can tell of instances when you felt something real, you felt something genuine, and you didn't have an explanation for it. You just felt this overwhelming power, this overwhelming sense of something big and something great and something glorious and something that made you feel loved. But you didn't have an explanation for it. You don't know a lot about him. But yet you know is there has got to be something real in this life of fake. So look again at what Paul says to these individuals. He says in Acts chapter 17 and verse 23, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worshiped. Him declare I unto you. I realize today that this is recap for many in the room, but it's quite possibly not for some in the room. For like Paul today, I've been sent to declare to you that the unknown God in whom you've realized but not yet understood, his name is Jesus. And he's come to seek and to save that which is lost. I want to introduce you today. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. This Jesus that you've heard people talk about, this Jesus that everyone refers to, he is God and he desires to work in your life. Why? Because he has the power to change everything. Let me declare unto you today that Jesus was the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. And he can be the greatest thing that has ever happened to you in your life as well. Can I get a witness in the house? Jesus is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Why? Because it was Jesus that saved me. It was Jesus that changed my life. It was Jesus that redeemed my soul. It was Jesus that freed me from the chains of sin. It was Jesus that caused a new life to be formed within this. Old things passed away. All things became new only because of a man by the name of Jesus. It's Jesus that helps me. It's Jesus that heals me. It's Jesus that gives me hope. Jesus changes everything. This change that happened in my life didn't occur because I read some self-help book. It didn't happen because of some mind over matter exercise. It didn't, it wasn't produced because of some 15-step program and checklist that I follow. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am because Jesus Christ died on a cross, shed his blood on 
on Calvary and rose again on the third day. I am what I am because of Jesus. Somebody said amen. What you've been searching for. It's not a what, it's a who. You've been searching for a what? You said you should have been searching for a who. His name is Jesus. The one who's had his hand upon your life all these years and you didn't even know it. His name is Jesus. The one you took his name in vain and cursed his name from your very lips. Guess what? Never left you. Just kept right on loving you. Just kept right on helping you. His name is Jesus. Now, here's the thing about this Jesus. He didn't beat around the bush when declaring who it was that he is. For he said things like this. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, now, I, if you've been in church a while, you'd, you've heard that verse many times, but I want you to take uh, another look at it here today. Jesus is saying he is the only way. He is the only truth. And he is the only life. John chapter 11 and verse 25. We're going to slow it down and do a little Bible study now. John eleven twenty-five. 25. Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. If you believe on me and me alone, you shall live. John chapter 6, verse 35. And Jesus said unto them. These are the words of Jesus himself. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Never. John chapter 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the only light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but you shall have the light of life. Mm. Now, now, if you look at these verses that I just read to you, you would have to admit that these are some pretty bold claims. He's the only light. He's the only life. He's the only way. That's a pretty bold statement for him to say, nobody else but me, just me, the one who gives life. Partake of me and you'll never thirst again, never hunger. Though he were dead, yet he shall live only through me, he says. That's a pretty bold claim. 
Now, with that reality, give me your minds for a few moments now. But with that reality, everyone in this room has to view Jesus in one of three ways. With what he has told us in his word. With what he has proclaimed to us about concerning who he is and what he does. Everybody in this room and in fact everybody in the world would have to put Jesus in one of only three categories. The first is he's a lunatic. He was off his rocker. He was absolutely out of his mind crazy. He needed to be admitted to a hospital. Some of you don't know how to react right now. But I'm saying, I know you've been in church for 30 years, you understand, but I'm not talking to you right now. This understanding of who this Jesus is, he's made all of these bold claims. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You have to come to me, through me, all this kind of stuff. The first way that you would, you would look at him of the three ways is that he is a lunatic. Who, who says this stuff? He's absolutely crazy to make that kind of claim, to make that kind of announcement, to say he's the only way. Who says that? He's an absolute lunatic, and if that's, the way you would feel, then you take the book, throw it in the trash, live your life. He's a lunatic. He's crazy. The second is that he's a liar. Now, I, you, you might not think that he's crazy because he knew what he was saying. If he was crazy, he wouldn't even know what he was saying. He was just spouting off all kinds of junk and wouldn't know what he was saying. He's a lunatic, out of his mind, committed to the mental hospital. But he, he, no, 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 he wasn't a lunatic. He was a liar because he knew what he was professing. He chose to make, somebody hear me right now. He chose to make those claims from a sound mind, from a place of sound judgment, he chose to make the claim that he was the way, the truth, and the life, knowing full well that he didn't have the power to back it up, knowing full well that he didn't have the ability to do what he said he was gonna do, and he didn't have the authority to accomplish what he said he was gonna accomplish. So he's a liar. He's either a lunatic or he's a liar. In fact, he would have been the worst liar that has ever lived because millions of people would have believed his lies for centuries. So you either believe that he is a lunatic, crazy, or you believe he's a liar. Or you have to believe he is Lord. Yeah. Because if he is truly Lord, 
then everything that he claimed is true. For when he said he was God, that was true. And when he said he could forgive our sins, <laughs> that was true. <laughs> and when he said he was the only way to heaven, guess what? That was true. And when he said there's no salvation outside of him and he is the way, the truth, and the life, guess what? That was true. Because he is Lord. Now here, here, listen, everybody listen very carefully to me. If you do not believe that he was a lunatic, and if you do not believe that he was a liar, then you have no other option than to believe he's Lord. Hear me. There are no other categories that you can put him in. He said, well, I, you know, I believe he's Lord, but, you know, some of this stuff in here, I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't believe this, and I don't believe this, but I believe he is Lord. No, no, no. If you don't believe this and this, then he's a liar. And if one thing isn't true, it's none of it's true. So to not believe all of it is to not to believe none of it. If there's something in here, you're like, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe this, and I just don't believe he's that, and I just don't believe. No, no, no. Then you don't believe he's Lord. You believe he's a liar. Come on, somebody. There's no other categories. There's none of this. Well, he was, he was a good man. No, 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 no. If he was just a good man, according to what maybe our uh, society would consider to be good, the reality is he would be the biggest liar that ever lived. So how could the biggest liar that ever lived be a good man? Can't be. You can't be a liar and a good man at the same time. So everybody in the room, we have to believe he's a lunatic, crazy. He's a liar. He knew what he was doing. He, he faked this all out. Or he is Lord. He's got to be Lord. So the reality is this. Hear me now. If you believe he's Lord, then you have to believe this book. You cannot say he's Lord and not believe the book. It's in, you can't do it. You cannot do it. If you believe he's God, if you believe he's Lord of all, then you have to believe that this book is the word of the Lord. And... If this is the word of the Lord, then it must be obeyed. If he's a lunatic, throw it away. If he's a liar, throw it away. But if he's Lord, then every chapter and every verse, every command, every principle, every precept 
needs to be obeyed and followed. Because it's not the word of a man, it's the word of God. It's not the philosophical concepts of humanity. It is the word of the living God. And we cannot say that we believe he is Lord if we have no intention of knowing what his commands are for us. For who's, who, who is it that can say, God, you're Lord of my life. I don't care what the word says. You can't have him be Lord of your life and not know what he wants from you. Am I making any sense? And so we need to be obedient to the word of the Lord. When it says in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Repentance means to turn from a life of sin and turn towards the things of God. Repentance means that says, I am going to live for the Lord from this moment on. I've been living for myself. I've been living for sin. I've been living for what was good to my flesh. I've been living according to the ways I want to go and the things I want to do. But from this moment on, I'm turning my back on the world and I'm walking towards God and I'm going to live for the Lord with all of his help. And the Lord himself, the Lord himself says, unless that happens, we're going to perish. And then he says in Mark 16 and 16, this word, this word, the Lord's word says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. My friend, once you've repented of your sins, you are a biblical candidate to be baptized in water in the only saving name of Jesus Christ by immersion, just like they were all throughout the book of Acts. And it's not something we do as some outward confession to let the rest of the church know of some inward thing that happened. No, it is obedience to the word of the Lord. He's not a lunatic. He's not a liar. He's the Lord. And the Lord himself says, I need to be baptized in his name for the remission or the washing away of all my sins. And then it says in Acts chapter one and verse five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence, Acts chapter one and verse eight, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So when you've repented of your sins, you are a biblical candidate to be baptized in Jesus' name and to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. You want power to live right. You want power to walk right. You want power to talk right. You want power to overcome every obstacle and addiction and struggle in your life. You can't do it with your own power. You need the power that can only come through the presence of the Holy Ghost. The God that you feel around you wants to dwell within you. And it happens when we began to speak in an unknown tongue. This is what the word of the Lord says. This is what the word of the Lord says for us to do. Somebody said amen. Somebody said amen. Oh, hallelujah. If Jesus is truly God and not just a good man, and not just a good person in the pages of history, and I'm almost done, then he really is the doorway of salvation. And then we really do need to follow after him. If Jesus is really God, and not just a man, then he really is the way, and he really is the truth, and he really is the life. And we need to find in him salvation. 
Salvation. Salvation. We must give him our hearts today. We must give him our lives. Come on, somebody. We must give him our hearts today. We must give him our lives today. We must give him all of who we are today. If he's not just a man, if he's not just a figure in a story in some history book that we read, then that lets us know that eventually we're all going to be judged by that God. So we need to understand if he's not a lunatic, if he's not a liar, then he's Lord. He's Lord. And if he's Lord at all, he needs to be Lord of all. He needs to be Lord of my life. He's not somebody I can just, I can't just date Jesus. I need to come into covenant relationship. This, is, this isn't somebody I can just talk to every once in a while. and This isn't just somebody I call on when I'm in trouble. He's, my, he's not my little genie in the bottle that I can just rub and, 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 and he pops out and I ask him my request and he does for me what I want him to do for me and then I put him back in the bottle for another six months. No, 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 no. If he's not a liar and if he's not a lunatic, then he is Lord. And if he's Lord, then he needs to be Lord of my entire life. He needs to be Lord when I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night. He needs to be Lord of the way I think. He needs to be Lord of the way I act. He needs to be Lord of what I do. He needs to be Lord of his word and my obedience to his word and my willingness to submit to his word and obey his word and do what he's called me to do. He needs to be Lord of all my life. Stand at your feet if you would. Somebody, somebody needs to be like Thomas today when he looked at Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. You're my Lord. You're my God. You're not crazy. You're not a lunatic. You're not a liar. You've got to be Lord. And since you are Lord, I've got to serve you. I want to serve you. You're what I've looked for. You're what I've searched for all my life. Lord, 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 Lord. Hallelujah. And if you're Lord, I need your help today. You couldn't help me if if you were a lunatic. You couldn't help me if you were a liar. But because you're Lord, I need your help today, Jesus. Because you're Lord, you see the hurt that's in my life. Because you're Lord, you see the pain that is in my soul. Because you're Lord, you see the hurt, the struggle, the difficulties that I'm facing in my life. And so God, I cry out to you now. Not as a man, not as another human being, not as some philosophical concept, but as Lord. Jesus, you can change everything.